Father, we thank you for this time, and we're excited to get to to share um, life together and to sing praises to your name and to have a great time worshiping you and enjoying being in the presence of people that we love as family. Uh, Lord, I pray that, that you will be with us in those moments where it's hard for us to make the leap from where we are to where you are. Uh, and so, Lord, would you just fill in the gap and will you pull us to you um, in order to do that? And so, Lord, may we, may we crawl up in, um, in your presence and crawl up into your lap as like, a, like the, the most loving grandfather's lap that we would love to just spend time with and just be. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help us just to be in your presence tonight and enjoy um, hearing your voice, the still, quiet voice in our ears, in our minds, and as you encourage us to be the very best us that we can be. Father, we love you. We praise your name, and we pray this through the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, everybody, so a little, little truth time here for just a moment with each other, right? How many of you have ever dreaded doing something that after you did it, you were grateful you did? Yeah, right? It's, it's just the wildest thing. You know, there, there's, there's so many things and there's so many different ways that this can kind of play out. And one way that this played out in my family was on a whitewater rafting trip. All right, and so maybe you have ever, if you've ever been whitewater rafting before, or if you've never been whitewater rafting, it's a very thrilling time. And my family and I, we were on vacation. And if you know my wife, my wife is one of those people that if we're gonna be somewhere, she's going to capture the time. And ever since she has survived cancer, her adrenaline junkiness has like through the roof. Okay, and she's like, and she's like, man, we're gonna live this life. We're gonna do this thing. And so, so Rachel schedules this whitewater rafting trip for us to go on as a family, and I'm fired up. Like, I'm, I've never done this before. She did it as a teenager with her grandparents, mind you, right? Thank you, exactly. And so anyway, so we're just, we're, she's like, we gotta go whitewater rafting. We're in New Mexico. There's this great, you know, river there, and you know, it'll be great for us to do. I'm like, awesome. And so... I've never done this. I love the outdoors. And so we're scheduled and we're ready to rock and roll. Now, of course, there'd been a little bit more rain in the area that, than we perhaps thought there was there gonna be and uh, some snow melt and stuff like that. And so the river was running pretty, pretty stout. And, and the river, um, it was running so high that, that they actually said that nobody under the age of 13 could be in the boat. So my son, Sam, he was like, dang it. And so he got to go on a different rafting trip that day, and my wife went with him. <laughs> Meanwhile, I get to go with Hannah, Emma, and Elizabeth, and we're, we're going whitewater rafting. So here's the thing. If you've ever done this before, I'm sure this is on purpose, but, but you start out, and the first little rapid's like, no big deal. A little splish splash, a little something, you know, and it's, it's all great. And the next one gets a little bigger, and the next one gets a little bigger, and the next one gets a little bigger, until you finally get to the end where they've got all the cameras ready to go, right? And they're ready to snap your picture, and it's just this big old huge level whatever it is, and you go through it. And so everybody in front of us had made it through and everything was good. And, um, and we, we get there and our guide, super awesome. We're gonna just 
push every boundary we can. And we, because guess who was also in the boat? My father-in-law, yes, my children's grandfather, who is a nutcase. And he's just excited and he's just everything, he's just wanting it. And so we're like trying to make it splash until the last one. And the guy decides he's gonna go down this certain way and you guessed it, man. The next thing you know, we're in the water, the boat is upside down. We're like floating down the river-ish once we came up from underneath the water. And meanwhile, here I am, I'm, I'm counting heads and all that kind of good stuff. Not my father-in-law, I'm not counting his head. But um, I'm just kidding, people. I was counting his head too, it was great, it really stuck out. So, so I was able to count heads and everybody was good. The kids were in the boat and my father-in-law's crawling up on the bank of the, of the thing. And, and of course, he, like I said, gray hair and the guide is there and they're like, sir, is, are you okay? And I'm like, he's fine. Um, but meanwhile, my teenage daughters, let's make sure they're good to go and all that kind of good stuff. No, I kid on all of that kind of thing. Well, here's the thing I didn't know. Before we even started on this trip, my girls were really nervous about being on this boat and, and going down this whitewater rafting. Me, father of the year, right? I didn't know this and, uh, and I, I wasn't aware of it. Um, but one of the things that, that I'm so just, my girls, they just blow me away on a regular basis. One of the things I'm so proud of is they were really nervous to do it. And after it was all over with, they will never do this again, just for the record, okay? But they were very glad they did it. There was fear associated. They didn't say a word. Maybe should have. I don't, I don't know. But they, they didn't. And they went through it. It was something they didn't really want to do. But at this point now, they had this experience in life. And it's given them a perspective on the power of water and the smallness of humanity and the bigness of God and all of that, that otherwise wouldn't have had that education um, and maybe could have learned that in other ways. But it was one of those moments where don't wanna do it, glad that I did. You know, my story on that one is foster care. That's mine, that's mine, where it's like, I, don't, I really don't wanna do it, told my wife for years we're not doing it, all those kinds of things. My wife started praying, and you know what happens whenever that happens, and my heart changed, and there we go. I'm so thankful we did. That hard thing has dramatically changed my family for the good forever and ever and ever, and I'm so thankful for that. That's the thing. Maybe school is your thing, teenagers, <laughs> right? Where you're like, dude, I don't want to go to school at all. But someday you will look back and go, you know what? I'm glad I'm educated. I'm glad that I know how to read. I'm glad that I know how to write. I'm glad that I know how to do division and multiplication. And I'm glad I know some history. And I'm glad I know those things. I'm not sure what your thing is, but every single one of us, every single one of us, have these things that we, we just don't want to do. But then afterwards, perspective is, man, I'm glad that I did. The hard thing. You know, there's a story about a pastor who, on, at the church where he was pastoring, his son was also one of the pastors. And his son was not getting the job done, and his dad was having to fire his son. So you can imagine this is not a conversation a father wants to have with his son. And so in the conversation with his son, he has him in his office and he said, son, I'm gonna wear two hats today. The first hat is gonna be a boss hat. The second hat's gonna be a father hat. And he had this conversation with his son and he said, he said, he said um, 
you know, and called him by name and said, I'm so sorry, but you, you've really not been getting the job done and, and we're going to have to let you go. And uh, he said, now I'm going to put my father hat on. He said, oh, son, I'm so sorry. I just heard that you lost your job. You know, and I mean, and I realized that we can kind of look at this and kind of go, oh, gosh, man, that's kind of tough. You know, but the thing is, is that we, we do these, we, we do enter into conversations that are hard. We enter into conversations that are, that are important for us to enter into, whether we want to be in those things or not, because they matter. And the people that we're talking to matter. And the life that we're living on this earth as a reflection of Jesus matters. All of that stuff matters. And so, yeah, entering into hard conversations is certainly not something that we want to do. But we also know that we do genuinely grow. We grow in our trust of the Lord. We grow in our, our faith. We grow through learning how to work through the challenges of this world. One of the challenges that we face here specifically in Central Texas is individuality versus community. It's a big challenge where we are because we, we live in a self-sufficient age. We live in a self-sufficient area. We live in a pull yourself up by the bootstraps, I don't need any help, that kind of thing. And so we fight as the church this individuality versus community on a regular basis because the question in our area that is a very prevailing question is, what's best for me? What's best for me? And based on what is best for me, that's what I'm gonna choose to do. What is best for me? And that's kind of the general thought process that's been exaggerated recently, hasn't it? It's been exaggerated. What is best for me? And as long as I'm happy and as long as things are good for me, then, then I'm good. It's a really dangerous question. Um, but today, what we're starting at this point right now is we're gonna spend a few weeks we're gonna spend a few weeks unapologetically talking about community and talking about being together and talking about building this community with one another. And it's very unapologetically circling the wagons as a church because we're at the place now where no, COVID is, is, is not a thing of the past. It's gonna be with us for a long time. It's gonna be the reality. And at this point now, it's time to figure out life with COVID. It's time to figure out life with the challenges of the area that we live. We have to figure that life out. And what we wanna do is we need to work really hard at those that find themselves on the outside looking in, bringing them into the fold. We gotta work on community and work on fighting the norm of individuality and saying, no, no, no. It's not that we as individuals don't matter. No, no, we definitely do. But we collectively are far better when we live life together than we are whenever we do this on our own. And so tonight, are you ready for this? This is kind of an interesting subject for this evening. Tonight, we're gonna build a better life by provoking each other. Yeah, right? Some of you guys are like, sweet, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. We're gonna build a better life together by irritating each other. Yeah, right? Irritating each other to love. Irritating each other to love. Provoking one another, entering into the conversations that spur us on to love. To spur us on to doing the things that matter 
to God and that matter to life here on this earth. And so what we're doing, if you see this, this image that's behind me here, it says steps to a better life. You cut on the dotted line and number two is rotate the M 180 degrees. And so what we're talking about doing is moving from me to we. No longer do we talk about, you know, your church. It's our church. No longer do we talk about they. It's us. Just a while ago, I'm having a conversation with my boy, and, and he's talking about, you know, because he was walking out, and I said, no, I'll get back in there with student ministry. And he said, they're finished. Who, who's finished? They're finished in there. You, you mean we're finished. We're finished with student ministry, not they're finished. With, no, because you're a part. This is not us, them. This is together. We. Take that me and turn it into a we. And so that's what we're gonna be talking about and provoking one another, irritating one another to love, moving from me to we. And so here's the thing, provoking, irritating, those kind of things, those are not normally words that we use in the positive sense. Those are usually very negative words. They're very negative words. However, the author of Hebrews uses these words to encourage Christ followers to consider how we might provoke or irritate one another in the faith, to build the faith up, to strengthen us as a whole. And so let's read there, beginning in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. I'm gonna read the section that um, what we're talking about comes from. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, this is the first of three let us statements. Number one, let us draw near to God. Lean in to our heavenly father with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So we draw near to God. Second let us statement. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Let us hold unswervingly straight ahead, right down the road of hope. For he who promised is faithful. So we stand on the promises of who God is that we can trust. We can trust unconditionally that what God says is true and faithful. He who promised is faithful. And then the third, let us consider, think about, ponder, consider how we may spur one another on. And there's that provoking, there's that irritation. If you ever see a cowboy spurring a horse, it's not exactly the most pleasant thing to get them to go. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. This is the importance of us being together and working our faith out together, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And you know what? Over the last little bit, there's been a habit that has been formed. There's been a habit. It's so easy to happen. We gotta not give up meeting together, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day that Christ returns and we spend eternity in heaven approaching. This is, a, this is a powerful section of scripture here. And it's, it's built around the church, the early church, growing in the faith, growing in 
This, this body, this community, this bride of Christ, the trust of the heavenly father growing in the faith. And so there's these three phrases that we focused on and they all start with let us. And so you can see it's not let me, it's let, not let my family, not let me, it's let us as the church collectively, let us and then fill in the blank after that. So here's, here's the thing. A powerful way to build our faith is to shift our thinking from me to we. If we want to build the faith, we have to, we have to shift things from an I-centric nature to a we-centric nature. This is the difference between Eastern religion and Western religion. This is that, and when things shifted West, all of a sudden, everything became individual. The Western way of thinking is very individual, but yet the Eastern way of thinking is very communal. We've lost that aspect of faith that's very, very important as the Christ, um, as Christ's body and the fellowship of God here on this earth, here in the West. And it's really a sad thing. It's something that we Westerners, we actually pride ourselves in not needing anybody. But that is one of the most destructive things when it comes to the body of Christ, because we do need each other. It's the greatest way to live life in the strongest way. And so this, this faith that we have in the Lord, if we want to build our faith in God, which we have to first kind of admit we need God, not just that we've got it on our own, but we need God, we need Jesus. If we want to build that faith, we shift that thinking from an individualistic thought process to a collective one. And so we're gonna focus on this third let us phrase tonight. We're gonna focus on this for several weeks. And so in order to build up the faith, let us consider one another. Let us think about one another and move from we, me to we. So let's get into what it means to provoke one another to love. This is kind of a cool thing, I love this. So why provoke? Why should we irritate one another? Why do these things? And the reason is, is that irritating love and irritating love, right? It describes a love that is not self-seeking. It's a love that's not just about the satisfaction type of love. No, this is not a self-seeking love. It is a love whose model is the cross. And so it's this irritating love that is in us that we're willing to get into conversations, willing to spur one another on or provoke one another into the way of life that God longs for us to live. Why? Because I love you enough to provoke you. You love me enough to irritate me, to live a life that is a reflection of who Jesus is. Trust me, Jesus did not want to crawl up on the cross and die for you and me. In fact, we know he said, let this cup pass for me if it's at all possible. But yet Jesus chose to do hard things. Not for himself. He didn't die on the cross so that his name would be made great. He died on the cross so that you and me, we can live this life that God imagined for us to live while we live here on this earth. That is a provoking love. That is an irritating love. It's doing the hard thing to move people from here to there, to move people from where we are to where God longs for us to be. And so there's this spurring on that's sometimes not pleasant, but it gets us where we need to go. 
Because it's this love that whose model is the cross. Now, the thing that's interesting about love is that love's not something that can be attained just by ourselves in a vacuum. If you're all by yourself, you know, yeah, you, there's, there's a love of the Father that can take place there, but, but this love here on this earth, this horizontal kind of love is not possible by ourselves. We can have hope by ourselves. We can have faith by ourselves, but it is not possible for us to have love individualistically. It takes someone else for us to be able to activate this love. We need others in order to practice love. Now, we also know that when love is practiced, it builds up our faith. It helps us understand what God's love for us is all about, especially when we selflessly do things for others because it's for them, not just for us. And so this is, that, this is that practicing of spurring one another on because it builds up our hope, it builds up the faith, it builds up our beliefs, our goals, it validates who God is, it validates who Jesus is, and it helps us understand more about who our Savior is and it helps us understand the love of the Father that God longs for us to give to one another. You know, faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 is defined this way. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. And so I hope that we can consider how we move together towards the things that we hope for with conviction, with certainty of the things not seen. And what we're talking about here is this eternal relationship with the Lord through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what we're talking about here. This is what we hope for, these things that are not seen. It's the promises of God that build up this faith. And Hebrews 11 is just helping us understand there's a conviction. It's not just that we're hoping things work out. No, no, no. We have a deep conviction, not just that they will. We know they will. We don't just hope aimlessly no, we know because of the evidence of what we see in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. And so as a result, we're able to spur one another onto this way of life because we know that it leads to life. It leads to the fullest life. It leads in a really, really good way to the way that God would have life to be. And so here's the statement here that we got to wrap our minds around. In order to live a better life, you must be irritated to love. If you really want to live a better life, there's this provoking love. There's this, we got we to gotta just be so uneasy internally that if we don't serve, if we don't care for, if we don't invite in, if we don't lay our lives down, if we don't live a selfless love, then we're going to be completely miserable. And the only way that life is satisfying is if we love one another enough to provoke each other to love, to live the life that God's called us to live. It's a really kind of interesting way. So here's, let me see if I can kind of give an example of how this plays out. This past Wednesday, I sat down with our elders. And on Wednesday mornings, uh, we sit down each week to talk through life, talk through what's going on with the church, to pray, to, to spend time just about things that matter. Well, this last Wednesday, we began a conversation that to be honest with you is a whole lot easier to just not have. 
It's a whole lot easier to not have, and it's just, just best to just kind of, not best, but it, it's, it's easier to just not have it. And so what we were talking about is tying up some loose ends as far as our church goes when it comes to human sexuality, when it comes to the roles within the church, male, female, all that kind of stuff where we tie up those loose ends because we're gonna be entering into an interview process with several different positions within the church that it's very important that we're on the same page as to who we're hiring. And are they gonna teach in accordance with our mission, vision, values, and how all of these things play out? And so, man, this is a, this is a tough conversation. This is not one of those that's like, oh, yippee, we're gonna get to enter into this and work through these things. No, 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 it's a hard conversation. This is a crawl up on the cross, die to self, much easier to not have kind of conversation. But as we sit at that table, there is a love that is shared for one another and for this body that we can't not have the conversation. We can't not tie up those loose ends. We can't not know exactly where we are as a church and where we are going as a church and not have these conversations. We have to have these conversations. There's times that this conversation is an irritating conversation. There's times it's a provoking conversation. There's times it's just uncomfortable and hard and difficult. Really, really challenging. You know what, though? The result. The result is a group of elders that love each other even more and love this church even more and a church that is being built up as a result of the irritating love to have the conversations, to have, to tie up those loose ends. Now, we're far from finished with this conversation because it was just the beginning of it. We're far from finished. We believe with all of our heart, our church's faith is being built up through this provoking kind of love. We don't have to have the conversation, but we have to. You see, we don't, we're, it, it's, it's not a requirement. I mean, we could kind of keep going on and carry on, but no, we have to provoke one another into that conversation. We have to irritate one another into that conversation in order to be grounded and stand on the foundation of Jesus and to build up the faith, not only of this body, but of the church worldwide. This is what I mean by an irritating love a provoking love. This is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about here. This is a me to we kind of conversation. And the result of these conversation is a perfect love that drives out fear. Because where does fear come from? It comes from being afraid of being alone. That's where all fear comes from. Is there, we all just have this in, in, innate, indiv individual, internal fear of being left by ourselves. And it's so important that we know that we're not there. This, this perfect love drives out fear because it also drives out the unknown because it clears up and it helps us as a church have this foundation that we get to stand on, that we can have a firm foundation in which we are confident as we move down the road together in building the kingdom of God here 
on this earth. This is a provoking kind of love. This is what we're talking about. This is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about when he writes, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. This is a me to we kind of conversation, a spurring one another on in order for all of us to live a better life. And in order for all of us to live this better life, these conversations are essential. This is how we move from this kind of scattered population of people into a cohesive, strong family of families, provoking love. So here's my question, two questions tonight for us in this room. What conversations have you been putting off because they're hard? What conversations? Is it one with your spouse? Is it one with your boss? Is it one with somebody within the body here that, that man, you just, man, you're just scratching your head and it's just, you just would rather just not deal with? Maybe it's a difference of, of parenting, you know, where your children are hanging out with somebody else's children and, and man, it's just a whole lot easier to just not talk about what's happening when the children get together because there's just a difference of how parenting is being played out. See, that's one of these provoking love kind of conversations, irritating love kind of conversations. How, what are the questions, what are, or excuse me, what are the conversations? What conversations have you been putting off because they're hard, that you need to think, I love you too much to not have this conversation. I love you too much to let it go. Because we gotta do this thing together. What conversations you've been putting off because they're hard? The second question is this, how may those conversations be robbing the church of strengthening the faith? How may those conversations be robbing the church of strengthening the faith? And by not having those conversations, by not leaning in, by not moving from me to we, it's just easier just to mind my own business. It's easier for me to back out. But I gotta move from me to we, and if I don't, how does that conversation, or, or lack thereof, rob the church of strengthening the faith? You see, irritation, love, provoking love. You want to know what it does? Yeah, we've talked about it. It drives out fear. You know what else it drives out? Sin. It drives out sin. It drives out shame. It drives out unforgiveness. All of these kinds of things. It drives out so much when it is a love, an, a con, an unconditional love that is spurring one another on. This unconditional love is so important. So spurring one another on, it irritates the mess out of us, doesn't it? It irritates the sin out of us, the yuck, the stuff that's dark. And as we love one another enough to provoke one another to love and good deeds, to irritate one another to love and good deeds, great things happen because the result of this kind of love is faith. There's a faith that gets developed within the body. There's a faith that gets developed individually. There's a faith that gets developed with our heavenly father because we're willing to spur one another on towards love and good deed to irritate the mess, to irritate the sin, the darkness, the shame, all the yuck out of us. This is the assurance that's hoped for. The things hoped for, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so church family, in order for us to live 
this better life. We've been talking about do better and everything. In order for us to live this better life, we must be irritated to love. We must be provoked to love. And in order for the church to be strengthened, we must provoke one another to love. And so here's the may God statements, right? May God irritate the mess out of you this week. And may we, may we irritate the mess, the sin, the shame out of each other. May we love one another enough to provoke one another to love. And may we move from me to we. Father, this is one of those moments, Lord, where good grief, the enemy loves to stir and the enemy loves to twist and the enemy loves to shout and loves to, to, to tell us to place our humanity before you. But Lord, in this moment right now, may we see that life becomes full when we love like you love. And Lord, as you, as you do so well in our lives, when there is darkness in our hearts, Lord, you help us. You help us to see. You help us to see the darkness and then you help us to remove the darkness. And as that is removed and as we draw near to you, then Lord, you open up another area that we get to work on. And so Lord, may we together as the church, may we in a way that brings life, in a way that miraculously results in a full life, may we spur one another on. May we provoke one another to love and good deeds. May we irritate one another because we love each other too much to not push to this relationship that you long for us to have with you and with one another. May we, Lord, be willing to enter in. May we lean in. May we pull in those that are on the outside to the inside. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to live life in the way that you desire, in the way that you have imagined before we've even breathed a breath on this earth. And so, Lord, let us live this life. Let us enjoy this life with you. And Lord, let us have the conversations that lead to that life. We love you. We praise your name tonight. We pray it through the name of Jesus. Amen.